Damn, son, where'd you find this? Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 22 of the Fly Route Podcast. I am your host, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Playboy, a.k.a. Kendrick Percocet, a.k.a. Big Percocet. And I am joined here by one of my best friends, Demarcus, a.k.a. Guess Who's Dak, Dak again, the franchise tag tell a friend. Well, guess I did who's predict Dak, that. Guess who's Dak? Guess who's Dak? Let me finish, nigga. How are you doing today, Demarcus? Doing okay. A little cold. But I I think we talked about this two weeks ago. I said, you asked me the question, do I see a scenario once Dak gets a franchise tag again? I said, yes, I do. All right. Well, since we're on Dak, I don't know how we got there. But have you seen the most recent Dallas Cowboys hype video? Yes, I've heard all about this. I know, yes. What? Do you think the exclusion of Dak Prescott means anything? Mm, yes, because the person making the video does not have the power to exclude Dak Prescott, and they likely include him. So it is likely from somebody higher up. I don't know if it means from Jerry or Steven or whoever, but it probably does mean something. It's probably being overblown, but it probably does mean something. You think there's a chance that... Dak does not play for the Cowboys this year? No, I don't see that happening. Okay. Man, you're going to have to hold on to that one. (laughs) That's what I honestly think is going to happen. That's what I want to happen. I I think that's what will happen. All right. This month, we're giving Fly Route Black History Month Facts of the Week. This week, we are going to give it up for Elmo Wright. Now, Elmo Wright is a Texas native, and he's a former first-round pick to none other than the Kansas City Chiefs. Hmm. All right, he's a wide receiver. And in 1971, Elmo Wright performed what was believed to be the first touchdown celebration dance in the NFL. I always thought that was someone else, but please continue. And this happened in... 1971 against the then Washington Redskins. Mm -hmm. And he actually started doing them in 1969 when he was a college player at the University of Houston. And it's crazy because apparently what happens is he high steps to get over a defender and he just keeps high stepping all the way into the end zone, keeps doing it. He hears the crowd start booing him for it. And of course, in true black hero fashion, you know what he does? Starts dancing? He starts doing it even more. He starts high-stepping harder. <laughs> <laughs> and his he gets over to the sidelines, and his teammates are like, I can't believe you just did that. He went, man, that felt good. So we are giving it up to Elmo Wright, and he is this week's Black History Month Fact of the Week. You know, that goes back to... The days when people thought that you sell any celebration whatsoever was disrespectful. And we have a totally different perspective on that today. And I think we have him to thank for that. Yes, indeed. We would have no Odell Beckham pissing on the ball without well, I Elmo mean, Wright. We can't talk about celebrations without Deion Sanders or T.O. or any of those guys who all took it to a new level. Elmo or Chad Wright. Ochocinco or Yo. Chad Johnson. Uh-huh. Some of the classic after touchdown celebration. So very thankful that we got that trailblazer paved the way. We don't give black culture enough respect. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So we have an exciting show for everybody today. We are going to get into a crazy story about Mark Walton at a pizza hut, our Super Bowl and end of the season recap for all the awards that were given out. The fly route for Carson Wentz. Now that his exit from Philly is basically guaranteed. Another iteration of the run pass options segment where we give you the biggest storylines and sports news of the week and let you know whether or not we are going to run with them or pass on them. And a heartwarming story as we give this week's Ballers Bouquet to new Philadelphia Eagles quarterback, Jalen Hurts. The Fly Route Pod. The Fly Route Pod. The Fly Route Pod. The Fly Route Pod. 
Welcome to the tea off. Oh, 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 spill that tea, sis. This is how we like to start our show off. We like to spill some tea on some of our favorite athletes and the crazy situations they get themselves into. This week, we're going to be talking about Mark Walton. Are you familiar with Mark Walton, Demarcus? Don't think so. It doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, honestly, career gone way too soon. He's like 23 at the most right now. So Mark Walton, he was a homegrown star for the Hurricanes in college, had a productive college career, played three seasons. In 2016, he went nuts, had over a thousand yards, 14 TDs. He then becomes a fourth round pick for the Bengals in the 2018 draft. However, by 2019, he has been cut from the Bengals because he was arrested three different times during the offseason after his first season Mm. on charges ranging from like possession of weed, misdemeanor battery, resisting an officer without violence. And the battery charge, I want to say, has been dropped. And there were some other more serious charges afterwards that also was dropped. But after he got arrested three times in that offseason, he then signed with the Dolphins. Of course, go to South Beach. Get out of trouble. He's from, yeah, he's actually from Florida. He's from the Miami area. So actually, that's probably the best place to get back into trouble. And then he gets suspended by the NFL after signing for four games because he violated the substance abuse policy at the time, basically because of his arrest. And look, I have to start with how he got suspended. And like, this is big because the great story that's modern right now is the Pizza Hut story happened on like the 31st, but he gets suspended because he basically gets pulled over. They think he's driving under the influence, right? And what ends up happening is he gets out the car. They're like, get down. You know, basic procedure. Mm-hmm. He gets on the floor, pops back up, and just books it, nigga. <laughs> you did not see that coming, did you? I did not. Yeah, no. he he gets on the floor like he's going to get down, but he's an NFL player. So, you know, he'd done the burpees before. He basically popped a burpee on the officer and took off. And then he gets to a fence. They tase him. He's like, ah, he's almost going down. He rips the taser out of him, and then he keeps booking it, and he gets away. Can I make a Freedom of Information Act request for this body cam footage? Does it exist? Yo, okay, so there is body cam footage, but it's super shitty because it's like in the middle of the night. You can barely see him. Uh, and for most of the time, the officer is actually running and trying to keep up with him, and he has no fucking chance because this <laughs> nigga's an NFL running back. <laughs> Most normal humans don't have a chance. Yeah, he has no fucking chance. This nigga's an NFL running back. But what ends up happening is they search his car. They find a bunch of weed. They find a concealed weapon with fully loaded clips. Like, yes, yes, yes. But the the weapon is legally registered to him. So that's not a big deal. Besides the fact that he's driving recklessly, they believe that he was under the influence. They found a bunch of weed. Mm-hmm. A lot of problems. In the car a lot of problems. with the weapon, right? And he was speeding when they pulled him over. So, okay, this is crazy. But, like, that's bad enough. It gets him suspended for four games, you know, substance abuse policy. Now, that is this all happens within, like, three months of each other. He gets arrested three times. And he ends up turning himself in eventually because, yes, you booked it and ran away from the police. But, A, niggas is going to recognize you. You're in the NFL. B, they have the car that you left. It's your car. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He didn't think this through. He was obviously under the influence. (laughs) So he turns himself in. That all gets handled. And then, like, a domestic violence thing comes up. We're not going to talk about it a lot because, for the most part, when it comes up, it he gets cut from the Dolphins. The charge later on gets dropped, but by then he's already been cut. He was arrested three times before the domestic violence thing comes up, so no one takes a second, a third, sorry, third chance on him. 
Well, where there is smoke, there is fire, and there's too much going on around this guy to sign him. Just way too much. Agreed. Now we get to the 31st, way more recently. He's been out of the league for basically an entire calendar season, and he's still somehow making headlines. Now, this is crazy. He's arrested outside of a pizza hut. Okay. Do you want to guess what happened at said pizza hut? Did he fight somebody? Well, goddamn, Demarcus. <laughs> Just a lucky guess. If can I can I get fight somebody for for hundred dollars? <laughs> <laughs> well, you would be right. <laughs> you would be right. <laughs> so, how did this happen? He's ordering a pizza around midnight, right? But apparently, his exchange with the Pizza Hut worker does not go very well on the phone. He feels like he was quote unquote disrespected by one of the Pizza Hut employees, prompting him to, of course, do what? Get up, get in his car, and drive to the Pizza Hut. Probably very, and walked in in an indignant fashion. I think the inside of the Pizza Hut, surprisingly, was closed at this time. Thank goodness. Because it's like midnight. Uh, And the first thing I'm like, hey, bruh, Pizza Hut, really? Not that deep. But like, Pizza Hut not even fucking good, nigga. No, he's obviously under the influence. We, we've, we've talked about this. Uh, so look, he goes over there immediately to confront the Pizza Hut worker. And the first thing on my mind is this is the type of energy I want my girl to have when the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> this is the type of energy I want my girl to have when the restaurant person gets my order wrong. We sell on this shit on site. He gets there. And they tell him that his order has been canceled. I imagine for you to get mad enough to go over to the Pizza Hut, you probably got into it with this nigga on the phone and he canceled your fucking order. He ain't having it with you. Right. But he gets there, finds out his order is canceled, and immediately starts banging on the windows of the Pizza Hut, trying to bust the window open so he can get in there and fuck this nigga up at the Pizza Hut. What part of this is a good idea? Keep that same energy, nigga. I'm loving it so far. So, while trying to smash the window of the Pizza Hut, somebody is with him. Uh, Basically, reports are kind of mixed. They're like, is it his brother? Is it his cousin? But basically, it's his mans. Most people are saying it's a relative. Regardless, he's there with his mans. Because, like, at least his mans went to the Pizza Hut with him. And, you know, I always say, be careful who you do dirt with. Mm Mm-hmm. Mark Walton was actually very careful who he did dirt with. His man tries to stop him from busting open the Pizza Hut window. He has has someone in his corner that's actually hella good to him. It's like, bruh, you can't be doing this shit. You about to get arrested. Let's get out of here. Stop it. And this is where we get to, can I get a fight for 100, Demarcus? He then beats his man's ass outside of the Pizza Hut for trying to stop him. (laughs) I cannot make this up. He did not fight a Pizza Hut worker. He fought his man for trying to stop him from busting open the Pizza Hut window. Now, you were a fan of Chappelle's show. Of course. Do you remember the skit called When Keeping It Real Goes Wrong? Yes. This This is is that. This is that. He needs to come back and he needs to have this sketch be on his new first episode for his show. Because this is exactly that. Because friend kept it kept it pretty real. He's like, yo, man, I'm here for you. Right. I'm I'm trying to be a good friend by stopping you from getting into trouble. Again. Again, for Again. the like the fifth time. Yes. And he fights the friend. He beats his he don't fight him. He beats his ass, nigga. Like, police show up on the scenes, see the friend. And call the paramedics for the friend. Yes, he didn't just fight. He beats niggas ass, bro. Well, I assume the guy is in pretty good shape. Well, as we said, he's an NFL running back. Yes, and he beats the fuck out of his man's. So this is this is all types of terrible, right? And the police are like, "Yo, what happened to you? How did you get injured?" Man is solid. He don't say shit. Oh. There are witnesses that see this happening and tell police what happened, etc. His man's is solid. Don't say shit. So they book him for like disorderly conduct, etc. Right? So it could have been way worse. 
I don't know if I'm that solid, bruh. No, no. Like, I, I want to believe I am, but if I stop you from doing some stupid ass shit and you beat my ass to the point where niggas have not to call cool no more. the paramedics on me? not cool no more. Because I tried to be your boy and, and you fucked me. He fucked you up. <laughs> so, no, we're not cool. Yo, I don't know if I'm ever going to be that solid in my life, bruh. Like, uh, but I, I truly hope I am. But regardless, his man's refused to flip on him. The police book him for disorderly conduct and like trespassing. And that's basically the end of the story. Maybe man's devout Christian, you know, turn the other cheek. Who knows? Nigga, I got to give my lick back at the very least. <laughs> I got to be waiting for you when you get home. In the dark, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm waiting for you to call my phone for bail, and I act like I ain't got it, nigga. <laughs> but that was your tee off. Ooh, 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 spit that tea, sis. Well, click, click, get ready for your Kodak moment. All right, let's get into our Super Bowl recap. Oh, Demarcus, 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 how you feeling, my guy? I feel really badly for Patrick Mahomes. I was really cheering for him. He's such a likable guy, and mm. he was running for his life all Is night. It too early to say I told you so. Um, considering that. The Buccaneers had a, I believe, Super Bowl party on a yacht this week. Th- there Probably was a not. boat parade. Like, or, you know, Florida open, open. They had oh, like a boat parade, multiple boats, you, people standing on the fucking You assumed that I paid any attention to any of these stories. Oh, I did because I, I knew Tom Brady was going to win and I told if, you he was going to win. And I was happy to see the Bucs win it. I think you know this, but just to make it clear, when I am rooting for a team, I am rooting for that team. I am in it. And if it don't go well, I am just heartbroken. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to think about it. Nothing. I think you would get used to this by now being a Cowboys fan. No, 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 no. Stop. Stop. (laughs) It's just fresh every time you get disappointed? Well, first, I've had some big disappointments lately. You know, as a Warriors fan, just all the blows just kept coming. The Cowboys have had their problems with, with Dak. And then every time we get to the playoffs, Aaron Rodgers is somehow there. And then, well, you're in the <laughs> NFC, so yes, that's we, how it works. And for some reason, we can't beat him with multiple tries year after year. Romo, Dak, but Tom Brady well, rolls in. Aaron Rodgers. That's Tom how Brady it rolls works. in at 43, and it's like, oh, this this man ain't nothing. He rolled through Breeze. Yeah, it was nasty. Rodgers, then Mahomes. Oh, and who would have predicted that? I did. Well, yes, you did. But I'm saying okay. people who are reasonable. I seem to be the reasonable one. Like I told you. Patrick Mahomes would be running for his life. Offensive line missing right tackle, left tackle, center couldn't practice during the week. I told you the Bucks front four was ridiculous. The Bucks front seven was nasty. Mahomes ran for like 500 yards before throwing the ball. Yeah, which was a record, which how could you have predicted a Super Bowl record like that? Like you can say running for your life, but this is literally the worst anyone has ever run for their life. In the Super Bowl. I literally looked at you and said Patrick Mahomes would be running for his life the entire time and he would do some miraculous things that we know no other quarterback in the history of the NFL could ever do. And we saw those passes. That were dropped. That were dropped. (laughs) That was so sad. That is is the worst. That was so sad. Because you're watching his face and he's just so dejected because he's like, I... Like there's one shot where he's he's parallel to the ground and throws mm-hmm. the ball, and that ball ends up being on target. Hits the, he almost hits the dude in his face. Yes, there yeah. were dropped touchdowns, at least a couple in that game. I think two. Yes, that's the most two. There were a lot of drop key drop first downs by Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Remember when I told you that they would not make the same mistake twice, and Tyreek Hill would stay doubled all game long. He basically was tripled some of the game. I, I, I told you that they, they knew what they wanted to do. They were, for those who look like it's two safeties deep. And it's usually when that happens, you know, you split the field half and half. You do your different things. No, no, no. When Tyreek ran by, they were both going deep basically with Tyreek. It was obvious. It was obvious. The game plan was literally obvious. And everybody was so enamored 
by the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, they forgot everything that they knew about the fundamentals of football. So yes and no on the obvious because Todd Bowles called more of that deep cover too than anyone has against that team and in the Super Bowl in basically forever. But it was obvious because what they did to them in week 12. Sure, but no other defensive coordinator figured that out. So, Well, well, he wasn't the one that Tyreek, they didn't give up. No other defensive coordinator gave up 206 to Tyreek Hill in the first quarter and got literally embarrassed by a single player, right? So I'm just saying, like, it was obvious to me that they were going to come like that. It was obvious to me that Patrick Mahomes would have no time. But here we go. Now, are you ready to admit that Brady is the GOAT? Um... So I have some thoughts on this, and I and I was having a hard time Hating. putting my thoughts into words. And so I'm going to use the words of, of one of our great black journalists out there, Jamel Hill, who described this perfectly for me um, after the Super Bowl. So it says, essentially, Tom Brady's a great quarterback, probably the best quarterback, but he's not the greatest athlete of all time. He has not dominated the game physically, the way that other athletes that, for example, Michael Jordan, who you you would respect. Yes, he's good. Dominating the game physically and being good at the game are two different things. And when I think of GOAT, that's what I think of. That's why in the, that's why LeBron even has a chance in the MJ debate because of his physical dominance over the league for so long. And Tom Brady's absolutely fantastic. But I don't think he, I think people overinflate what he is. This is so stupid. That quote is, look. That's your here opinion. Here, here's what I have to tell you, DeMarcus. First and foremost is that while sports is physical, mm-hmm. a lot of it is mental. Mm-hmm. Right? And the if you don't have the physical and you do not have the mental, you cannot dominate a sport the way Tom Brady has, the way MJ has. The way that LeBron honestly has, the way he dominated the East for so long. Like saying that his physical prowess doesn't look intimidating to you, right? Does not negate his athleticism. She also was like Serena Williams, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all of the other people that you're speaking about in their other sports in comparison to Tom Brady do not have 360 pound men tackling them and landing on top of them. Football is the most physically rigorous and dangerous sport in America that's popular. Mm -hmm. And Tom Brady has survived how long in that sport? A little while. You're like, this is why this is all nonsense to me. Because of the sport that he plays, the physicality in the sport that he plays, how often he plays through injuries, how how rare he's actually injured. That's what I was going to say. He's almost never playing through injuries. He doesn't get hurt very often. Besides the year he tore his ACL, he played through other injuries that he had. Like knickknack stuff, but that's the NFL. Everybody has knickknack stuff. That's my point. That doesn't make you it's physically dominant. It's just normal to have knickknack stuff. He dominated the league, and it is the most physical sport in America. He won. I would not say he dominated. How many rings does he have, Demarcus? He has seven. Okay. How many Super Bowls has he been to, Demarcus? He's been to ten. And you're gonna say he did not dominate the sport? Not physically. Mentally, sure. He had to physically survive. Execute. He had to survive. He had to physically execute the mental. I didn't say he couldn't execute. I said he did not physically dominate. Those are two different things. I don't think, listen, and I don't think we're going to agree on this. Yeah, because you are and such a staunch Tom Brady hater. I'm not and a have hater. Been consistent to Marcus. He's a cheater. How's that hating? Marcus. Okay. I can't ignore the cheating. Did he cheat this year? Who knows? Look at you. He's been caught and a couple that's times. That's how we know you're a hater. There's proof. The Patriots and you, Tom Brady got, this year? got in trouble multiple times for cheating. If you've gotten did caught, Tom Brady there's, get caught multiple there's, times, or did the Patriots organization get caught multiple times? Because unless you're going to take every player that has ever played for the Patriots in those don't years, don't act like Tom's the same as every player. Cheaters, Tom. For, Bill Belichick is recording other people's practices. This How is, does that implicate Tom Brady? 
First, the Deflategate thing, I believe, is Tom Brady. He destroyed his phone, etc. That's been rehashed dozens of times. Listen, I, what I'm going to say is, I don't think we're going to agree on this. Is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback to play in the NFL? Yes. Is he and should he be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Absolutely yes. I just think people overinflate Tom Brady, and I always will hold it against him that I believe that he's cheated at least once, and that's enough for me. That's all I'm going to say on that. I'm looking forward to next year's Super Bowl. Do you think the bus can run it back? No. Who do you think will be in next year's Super Bowl? I don't Bowl? think that they could survive the same gauntlet again. And inevitably, winning the Super Bowl means you lose pieces. Those pieces become more expensive to keep in the offseason. With the salary cap dropping, I think that's hard, hard to do. It's hard to repeat in this league. They don't have which a is lot why, of free agent pieces, actually. They no, have but two it, key ones. But even if you don't, you have injuries, and it's hard to repeat. The last team to repeat was the 04, like 05, or something like that, Patriots. The who? That was the last time. The who? It is hard to repeat. The who? No, no, I asked you a question. The who? Who was the last people to repeat? Uh, it was Tommy. It was it was Tommy? Yeah, over 15 years ago, because it's hard to repeat. But it was Tommy. It's hard to repeat. Okay. So all I'm saying is they actually have a they actually don't have too many key free agents. Like Leonard Fournette will obviously be a free agent. We'll see what happens with him. Right? They got Chris Godwin. And they also have Lev- Levante David. I have no idea. All I know is it's hard to repeat. Injuries happen. Your quarterback's 44. Okay. We'll see. That seems like a reasonable like, point to Even me. if they lose Godwin, I think they can keep Levante Davis. I think they could keep him. Right? And if they lose Godwin, they can keep AB because nobody is signing AB. If he's around to be playing in 2021, sure. Are you predicting AB doesn't make it to 2021? I think that his legal disputes will continue to play out in 2021, and we'll see what happens. All right. Let's talk about the end of the season awards, DeMarcus. You know, like many other things on this podcast, you gave me a lot of flack for my predictions. Like many other things Not in really. this podcast. Like many other things in this podcast, I was right for the most part. Hindsight is 2021, as we always like to say. I got five of the seven things that we predicted correct. Uh, What's up, DeMarcus? First, I would push back on giving flack. Second, hindsight's 2021. No one says that. You have said it on this podcast. Hindsight is 2020. You're getting the saying wrong, dude. No, it's because it's 2021 now. But exactly, no one says it like that. Whatever. But MVP, I cooked. I, I did not believe the media would buy into the narrative that the Chiefs were bad because they had a few close wins. No one said the they Chiefs did. were bad. People said they don't look the same. There's close wins. Aaron Rodgers looks great, etc. They bought into the narrative. I didn't think they'd buy it at the, at the rate that they did. Obviously, I was wrong about that. Didn't Aaron Rodgers outplay Patrick Mahomes in almost every major statistical category? I said what I said. All right. I'm just saying, we know Rodgers got that one. Rookie of the year, we were both on Herbert. Mm-hmm. Facts. Defensive player of the year is the one that was super interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Now, this was just interesting, period, not just us. Right, right. I, I had TJ Watt. Aaron Donald won it. And I'm willing to say TJ Watt got robbed. For the uh, second year in a row. I want to say J.J. Watt posted a tweet comparing all of them in major statistical categories, and T.J. is above and beyond Aaron. He led the league in tackles for a loss. And he played one less game. Sacks. He played one less game. He led the league in quarterback hits. Like, he was a dominant force for the second year in a row. He had more quarterback pressures. Like, I get it. The main thing people like to say is the stats that Aaron Donald gets at his position is huge. But it's also not like they don't move him around a lot, especially because he's frequently getting doubled. It didn't feel right to me. The voting was close, though. It was Mm -hmm. like 27 to 20, right? So Donald got seven more votes. But this is the second year in a row that I'm like, man, TJ Watt keeps getting right there. And I feel like this is where the clout and the media name recognition and name recognition is really hurting him a lot when he in the last two years honestly should have been back-to-back defensive player of the year in my opinion but you know it is what it is you know offensive rookie of the year we both got wrong 
Herbert got both Rookie of the Year and Offensive Rookie of the Year. Which doesn't normally happen. Yeah, I did not think that they give both to him. No, because I, I think back to 2016, Dak and Zeke, they split up the award. And so I figured they would do the same. They'd split it, give the quarterback one, and find a running back or some a wide receiver, a wide Justin receiver Jefferson. to get the other. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Defensive Rookie of the Year was obvious. Chase Young. Like, if mm-hmm. you didn't have Chase Young, what were you doing? Comeback player of the year. DeMarcus, DeMarcus, DeMarcus said Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. It was obviously Alex Smith, like I said, like everybody else said. But the interesting thing was that Alex Smith was one vote away from being unanimous comeback player of the year. That one sole vote that he did not get did, in fact, go to Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> Listen. The, the I'm gonna be honest. The the format of this means that we can't always pick the same thing, and I'm looking at who's the next most likely person to get it after Alex Smith, and it's it's Big Ben who did have surgery last year, was out all the whole entire 2019 season, came back in 2020, and had a really good season up until about week 12, <laughs> and they started losing. But up until that point, had done amazingly, and people were like, "Oh, Big Ben of old is back," and blah 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 blah. Etc. Some people said that. Some people did say that. I didn't say I said that. I said some people said that. So I did see he's the most likely person to get a vote for that award. All right. All right. Coach of the year. Another one that I got right. Kevin Stefanski. I told you. Like Ron Rivera was obviously a great pick, especially battling cancer, rallying that team, making the playoffs. Right, even though like it's the NFC least, someone had to literally make it. But Stefanski was far and away the guy, man. Twenty-two years without winning a playoff game, nineteen-year playoff drought, comes in, takes the team, gets it going. And that brings me to this question. Do you think the Browns will have a repeat performance of last year? I don't. You don't think they'll make the playoffs again? No. I think a lot of teams in the AFC who were down this year are going to be back up, or at least trending back up in the right direction. They take wins off of people on the way back up, etc. I'm not sure if the Browns win some of the games they did last season. Plus, of course, the, the thing always is strength of schedule. Whenever you do well, your next year schedule is partly based on how well you finished. So you're going to have a lot of... Uh, more competitive games, at least against teams that finished well the year before, which is usually a pretty good indication of at least a solid football team. So not quite. They could still sneak in as a wildcard team with the new format, but I don't think they have they reached the highest. They be do. solid. Will they make it or not? I said I wasn't sure. I said they'd take a step back, but I'm not taking a position on the playoff thing. I will. The Browns have made the playoffs again. Like I told you at the beginning of this past season, honestly, I'm most interested to me is whether or not they keep OBJ. I don't think they will. There hasn't been a lot of like noise around him. But the team looked a lot better without him. I 100% agree. But there just hasn't been a lot of noise around him. He's coming off yet another injury. Who knows? I'm not sure that he really wants to be in Cleveland. I understand why you say that, but he has been very staunch in not giving anybody any actual ammo mm-hmm. for that claim. He He's has, turned into a veteran NFL player, yes, but knowing OBJ... Oh, we've we, seen a lot of vet NFL players make some comments about why they don't want to be where they're at. Well, sure, but I think in this case, he's more mature. He's learned from some of the trouble he got in earlier in his career. I think that is why he's not said anything, not because he actually wants to be there. That's all. Okay, okay. Let's see if Tom Brady goes for eight. Y'all, it's Tony Playboy. All right, let's get into the fly route for this week. Carson Wentz. He is on the market. We know that for sure. At this point, it's a question of when, not if, he is going to be traded. You know, the big names, the insiders, Schefter, 
Rappaport, they have said that they thought this could happen even this week earlier. Things are starting to slow down a little bit because Philly reportedly wants a Matt Stafford-like deal for Carson Wentz. They're talking two first-round picks. A lot of rumors are flying up. Right now, people are saying the Bears and the Colts are the two most likely teams. Odds have them at Bears at plus 100, Colts at plus 150. And I just have to say, my God, if the Chicago Bears trade for Carson Wentz and give up two first-round picks, I will not watch another Bears game at least for two seasons. <laughs> kind of makes me want them to do it now. <laughs> at least for two seasons. If we give up two first-round picks, I will not. Actually, how about this? I will not watch another Bears game until Ryan Pace is fucking fired. This is a protest. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. This is a fucking protest. <laughs> if we give up two first-round picks for him, I will not watch another game until he is fired. But... Right now, there's a pretty strong deadline people know of. March 19th. March 19th is that deadline. At that point, they have to give him a $10 million roster bonus. So they definitely will be off of him by then. So I have to ask you, DeMarcus, what is the fly route for Carson Wentz? So before I get too deep into the fly route, I do want to come back to earlier in the fall when I did tell you Carson Wentz was the problem. Carson Wentz would eventually have to go and that he was not going to be the quarterback in Philadelphia. I'll say that. But this is a pretty peculiar situation because no matter what the Philadelphia Eagles do, they'll be losing a lot, even just to get rid of Carson Wentz. The cap hit will be big and um, it's going to totally change all the draft capital they put into getting him because they moved up in the draft again. This is the same situation with the Rams and Goff. They, I believe, packaged three picks to move up to number one to get him and then gave up more picks to essentially unload him. Um, in this case, the Eagles will at least hopefully get picks back, but that de- depends on where and who they trade him for. If they trade him to a team without a quarterback like we think, either the Bears or the Colts, um, they're likely to get back lots of picks, but not necessarily a big-name player. But I'm hearing that if he goes to the Bears, we're going to send back Nick Foles because you can't restart that dynamic. Oh, no, you absolutely cannot. That is that is the root of Wentz's problems in Philadelphia was he's having his MVP level season. He gets hurt in December. Foles comes in, looks a little wobbly in December, but then playoffs come and Foles flips the switch. Philly magic. And goes on, beats Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Locker room loves him. He's a kind of hometown hero. And then... Circumstances they build a statue to him. Like, they literally seriously. have a statue, but circumstances happen that he gets shipped out, goes to Jacksonville, and then ends up in Chicago. And so, from that point on, the the locker room has had little, little faith in Wentz whatsoever, for different reasons. Some people felt that he was too close to some of the front office. Other people felt that he was not accountable, or that he would be a little harsh with teammates and practice or in the locker room, etc. So he's had his problems. And so he needs to go to a team where he can have a fresh start, where there are as few remnants of the Eagles there as possible. But he needs to go somewhere where a coach believes in him and thinks that he can get the best out of Carson Wentz again. And the only place that fits that description that has the money to do so, the draft capital, the need is the Indianapolis Colts. So whose head coach is Frank Reich, who we know was the uh, offensive coordinator calling the plays when Carson Wentz had his almost MVP season. So he would be reunited with his head coach or his offense coordinator that year, who's now the head coach in Indy. Indy needs a quarterback. Their quarterback, Philip Rivers of last year, just retired, and rightfully so. And their quarterback before that, or quarterback of the future, was Jacoby Brissett, and he's going to be set to hit the free agent market this offseason. So as of right now, the Colts don't really have a quarterback. They pick 20th in the draft. They have over $60 million in draft or in cap room and they have draft capital and so all the pieces are there for them to get Wentz I think it'll be a good fit it's a win-win for the Eagles to get back a couple first round picks for him they send him out of the conference so you don't have to see him etc it's a win-win for everybody involved it's a win for Wentz he gets reunited with his coach and hopefully the, the Colts think they can make the playoffs again with a good team around Wentz so 
I don't like the Colts, even though it makes like a lot of sense. And the reason why is because the issue with Carson Wentz is not his talent. The issue with Carson Wentz is clearly his ego. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Like all the reports that came out of Philly this year really kind of reshaped the Carson Wentz narrative for me. And it's where I go from saying Carson Wentz is clearly still a talented quarterback. He didn't have enough help on the Eagles, which I still believe to be true. And more so the system and the culture that was set in place around him and with his coaches was poor. And I don't want him anywhere near any people from that 2017, 2018 season at all. Because the issue is he did not like to be coached. Right. You heard the reports from like the Philly Inquirer from Jeff Lane saying that like he would get a play and then he would just kill the play and audible for no reason because he just didn't like the play that Peterson was calling. So other people around him are no longer on the same page. Even go back to that 2017 year. People say he didn't like being coached hard by that staff. That's Frank Reich's staff. They were saying that in film sessions, they would point out errors that he would have and he would just make excuses and not take any of the constructive criticism that was given to him. Their veteran players from those teams would say he doesn't understand that he has lost some games for us and he will never admit that that's a problem, which means that he can never get it corrected. They would say he'd miss an open receiver, right? They would make a play call. The play would develop exactly how you want it to. Like, that's the worst thing as a coach. You put in the call. The play call goes exactly as you want to. You've schemed a receiver open, and Carson Wentz doesn't hit him. It's his first read. They're like, why? He goes, oh, that guy, I didn't see him open. My offensive line is not good enough. There was too much pressure. Always an excuse. And this is a consistent issue with him. They enabled it. He is comfortable with the coaches and on the bear staff and on the Colt staff. And that's why I don't want him anywhere near those people. I want him in a situation in which he is uncomfortable, where he feels like he has to reprove himself to those people, not people who are like, we know he's good. We can, we know he's good. He was good with us. He walks in going, they know I'm good. They know the season that I had with them. They know who I am. And that's the exact attitude that put Carson Wentz where he is right now. So for me, the fly route is the team that is third at plus 800 in the odds for Carson Wentz, the Denver Broncos. I, the look on your face has me interested. What's up, Demarcus? It makes some sense. That was my gut instinct when I first thought about this. And I thought, that having Frank Reich would not be a negative, that it would be a positive because having him plus the combination of getting traded, being benched for by Jalen for Jalen Hurts, etc., would humble him a little bit to make him open or receptive to coaching. I think the Hurts plus getting a traded, so maybe it hasn't happened yet. I'm saying maybe it could happen, and with that coach kind of knowing what he can do as a not as that he's talented but that he knows what he's good at and knows what he's bad at and knows how to scheme for that that with the weapons and in indy and the offensive line and the defense that they could still do well um but please explain why you chose the broncos so i chose the broncos because when you're thinking about things like having a good offensive line having some weapons etc having a decent defense the broncos check all those marks right they have a bunch of really young position players like Noah Fant, Jerry, Jerry Judy. They have a decent offensive line. Von Miller comes back. Their defense is pretty good. They have a set of running backs, right? We talked about Melvin Gordon on previous episodes. Philip Lindsay is set to be a restricted free agent so they can keep him if they want him. Like they have all the tools to be a great team besides a quarterback. Drew Locke clearly is just not it, right? And trading for Carson Wentz makes him the most talented quarterback to be in Denver since Peyton Manning. Yeah, by far. Right? They have a good staff. It's a new GM. That new GM probably wants to bring in a guy that he's picked. 
And no team wants to give two first round picks for Carson Wentz. But I think if the Broncos come with the ninth pick in this draft, can Philly say no? They certainly need the help. Like, think about it. The Bears and the Colts are the other two options. Their first round picks are significantly worse this year. And there are teams that look like their first round pick the year after that won't be good either. Because they're good teams. Deep, like fundamentally at their core, quarterback's an issue, but they're good teams. Exactly. So I feel like if they offer you the ninth, how do you say no? Well, I think they can probably get maybe a, this year's ninth and then maybe two seconds, maybe this year and next year. And that is close enough for them that they say yes. I would hope the Broncos were a little bit more savvy than that. Because well, right now, the reason why things are held up is because other teams are not giving Philly the packages that they want. So I think you come through with the ninth and be like, look, I hear words out on the street is you ain't getting shit better than this. Be honest. Yeah. When was the last time you picked that highly in the draft? Well, when you drafted Wentz. Exactly. Uh, only thing complicating that, in my opinion, is there's a new GM in uh, Denver. John Elway is stepping away from day-to-day GM operations and is more of the president role. I don't know if he'll have any say in that deal. If he does, I think they will be more savvy and roll up with a little bit more swagger and say, take the ninth pick and give us wins and let's have it. Let's all part ways and be happy. So that's that's it for me right now. I think mm-hmm. that it's a great situation. It's a similar situation. It's basically B-side Colts, in my opinion. That's fair. B-side Colts, but it puts him with a new staff that can help him garner the talent if he has it, but does not have that same familiarity with him and puts him in a place where it's kind of do or die. All right. Let's just hope that if he goes to Denver, he throws some fly routes in that thin air up in Mount High. I like that. I like that. Throw some fly routes. I see you. <laughs> now, while we're on the fly route segment, I just want to talk about how Philly this offseason has taken the exact opposite of the fly route. You fire your Super Bowl winning head coach because him and Carson Wentz can't get along. Well, the other story was that the GM met with him at the end of the season. They were like, the GM and president are like, here are our plans for the future of the team. And Dougie P just fundamentally disagreed with them. And so after a couple of days of thinking about it, they were like, you disagree and the quarterback thing, you got to go. That's I heard that I heard. he wanted more input. Oh, yeah, on he, the future of the team. Yeah, yeah, he's like, I should have a little bit more control. They wanted to pick his staff again, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he was just like, that's not really how I want to do this. Him and Wentz aren't getting along. So they swap out. They're like, all right, look, Wentz is the quarterback for us. Y'all can't. It's irreconcilable. He's leaked enough to say that. We'll choose him. And then Wentz is like, nah, bro, I still need to get the fuck up out of here. Because just locker room don't want him. <laughs> so that is true. Like, apparently there were some reports also from Jeff Lane, Philly Inquirer, that a senior offensive lineman went up to Roseman leadership and was like, you have to bench this dude. Put Hurts in. The team visibly and physically looks they're like all their emotions, their body language, et cetera, is better with Hertz than Wentz. And a lot of that is rumored to be because Wentz is uncoachable. He'll kill a play, which means everybody else on the field that has the play that was called is now also fucking scrambling. Mm-hmm. You can't win games like that. And ultimately, those guys care about winning. And so Wentz is going to have to need a reset and reset his ego to do that. It's a playboy affair. Let's get into the run pass options segment. You know how we like to do. We give you the biggest headlines and sports news of the week and let you know whether we are going to run with them or pass on them. So, Demarcus, I got to hit you with this one first. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. The NBA All-Star Game. It's going to be in Atlanta. They have a finalized date. 
And a lot of players, especially the star players, are pretty unhappy with it. LeBron James called it a slap in the face. Mm-hmm. Giannis said, look, if big dog, LeBron James, ain't with it, you know I'm not with it either. I have zero energy and zero excitement for the game. And my favorite was De'Aaron Fox, who just said, this is literally stupid. Mm-hmm. This And reports now that the NBA wants to add the dunk contest into halftime of the All-Star game after this backlash. So, should the NBA be worried about how their stars feel about All-Star weekend, DeMarcus? Run or pass? I will pass, but I have heard reports that people inside the NBA Players Association, including President Chris Paul, were pushing for the All-Star game. I believe it has money tied to it related to the TV dollars from that weekend that would normally be generated. And so I think some players might want to, certainly first-time players like um, Sexton and Cleveland, who I believe made the All-Star game, but others like LeBron do not because of obviously the COVID protocols. And it's nonsensical to say COVID's a big problem and then gather all the stars in one city for 36 hours. Uh, But that's all I'll say about that. All All right. Kevin Durant, speaking of NBA COVID issues, was pulled twice from a game against the Raptors, first due to an inconclusive test by a close contact. The NBA then allowed him to play in that game, and then his close contact had a conclusive positive test, and they pulled him for a second time. Does the NBA have an issue with their COVID protocol enforcement? Run or pass? I'm going to run. Um, I thought James Harden made some really on-point comments about this immediately after the game. First off, for that team, Kevin Durant's a huge piece, so, you know, the in and out thing was really confusing. They need to pick one clear position on that. The second thing I would say is that Harden asked the question was, you know, Durant was in the locker room with all of us before the game. If it's accurate that he was a close contact and had exposure, then why was that game even played at all? Why didn't the entire Brooklyn Nets team then have to have postponed games while all of them went through COVID testing? The NBA has not given a really solid explanation, one that I am satisfied with on this matter. And so I think there are going to be a lot of back and forth between the NBA, the NBA uh, Players Association, and of course the Brooklyn Nets on this issue because this is not the first time Kevin Durant has missed time for, I believe it's probably the same close contact. I'm thinking, I don't know if this is a girlfriend or someone who a business partner or someone who's always with him. So I think that actually what happened was he rode with a staff member or something like that, that tested positive, like to his place back to the game and like another one time. And they weren't sure if they were wearing masks. Katie already caught COVID in March. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently was testing positives for the antibodies, but you know, out of a abundance of caution, which Katie tweeted And I have to quote this. Yo, NBA, your fans aren't dumb. You can't fool them with your whack-ass PR tactics. So, yeah, the NBA is wrong, certainly. But there is another element to this. And that is there are two new variants of Corona that are spreading in the U.S. from the U.K. and South Africa that are known to be more transmissible. But more importantly, the South Africa variant has been shown to infect people who've had COVID previously because it has mutated and changed. And it also, even if you've gotten vaccinated, can you'll still fight it off, but it's at a lower rate than the kind of previous uh, widespread strain of COVID. And so there is that bit there. And so numbers are down right now, but I think all the players are right on this, that they should not have an all-star game because there's a great chance that those new strains could become dominant soon and they're highly transmissible. And you wouldn't want all the star players in one city for 36 hours with a new strain running around that could infect all of them in five minutes. That's all I'll say on that. All right. Let's talk about the NFL 2021-2022 season. The 2020 salary cap, for reference, was about $198 million. There's been a lot of talk. We know the cap is going to be reduced this year for the first time since 2011. Mm-hmm. Estimates right now are at around $185 million. Do you think this will have a huge impact on the upcoming season? Run or pass? I'm going to run. It will definitely have a huge impact. There are a lot of teams who, with the cap, most teams plan their cap for the cap to increase. So they plan out player contracts that way. They say, 
we're paying X, Y, and Z guy. This is going to go up year after year. And this year we're going to add more money so they can plan for that. But if the, the cap suddenly goes down one year, then you have to cut guys, either guys who take up a big portion of your cap or guys who are near the bottom of the roster to try to get under the cap because the NFL is a hard cap league. Teams are going to have to make roster moves to get under the cap. There are some teams that are $20, $30 million over. Um, But more importantly, it's going to affect the free agent market and what kind of deals teams can hand out and how teams can improve. If you're close to the cap now, you're you're screwed. You can't do anything to your team. You have to roll the, the kind of run it back from the year before and hope that you just get better performances out of your same players. So it's going to have a huge impact on what teams look like next year. And ultimately, it's going to mean that there's less money that gets to the players. All right. So one of your favorite players, Derek Rose, has recently been traded. And I did say earlier this season that he should be traded. This wasn't the trade I said, but this is not the trade anybody said. I said he was a valuable trade piece and he would be traded. In this case, he got traded to the New York Knicks. This is now the third time he's going to play under coach Tom Thibodeau. He played, of course, under uh, him with the Bulls. And then he played under him again with the Timberwolves and played really well. And this will be the third time. What are your thoughts on D-Rose trade? Is this good for him? Is this good for the Knicks? Runner pass. <sighs> I am going to run with this only because I hate this trade. Personally, I think D-Rose should have been traded to a contender, get a chance to finally win a chip. But I'm not sure that's what D-Rose wants at this point. Like, he seemed relatively happy with the trade. We know him and Tibbs get get along. We know Tibbs gave him an opportunity when the league was out on him, right? He was practicing in the gym. No team wanted to sign him. The Timberwolves sign him. He goes nuts. He gets his value back, gets to sign a decent deal with Detroit. I think this is going to be big for him teaching the young players of the Knicks. And I think that's why he's there. They have a huge guy, Emmanuel Quickly. He is going insane. He's looking Lou Will-esque with his floater right now. It is nuts. And I think they're like, we want him to be a good vet in our locker room to help those guys get better, teach him the game. And if that's what D-Rose wants for himself at this point in his career, fine. I hope he gets it. I hope he's happy. But as a fan of Derrick Rose the basketball player, not the human. I wanted to see him possibly get traded to a team like the Clippers. All right. Another one for you. So there are some recent rumors out of Seattle that quarterback Russell Wilson might want to be traded. Uh, There are signs that his camp are unhappy with the way that Seahawks have protected him, i.e. the offensive line problems up in Seattle. He's been sacked uh, around 390 times in his nine seasons in the league. There are other reports coming out of Seattle that say that Russell is unhappy with Pete Carroll's influence on the offense. He's a very run first coach. Russell's obviously a quarterback in the prime of his career who wants to throw the ball around and show what he can do so his team can win. What do you think is the main problem for Russell Wilson and will he be traded? Run or pass? So if we're asking, will Russell Wilson be traded? Pass. If we're asking, will this have a big effect or should this have a big effect on the Seahawks? We will run. And first off, they're no longer rumors. Russell Wilson did an interview this week, and he, for the first time ever, really did not toe the company line in an interview. He was active. He's like, I would like to get hit less. I would like more protection, which is both like a a public admonishment of your offensive line, but also a message to the front office. Mm -hmm. Hey, y'all really got to step it up here. The second thing he said is that, they asked him point blank because he was kind of pussyfooting around. Do you have any input on personnel decisions? He says, and I quote, not as much as I would like. He's like, do you think you should be involved more? He says, absolutely. I feel those conversations are valuable. That is a direct shot at management, at Pete Carroll, at the Seahawks organization. And Russ is finally saying, look, I'm not trying to get traded right now, but I do need some things to change. I want some more input. I want, you know, a little bit more say in the offense, maybe the guys that we're going to go after. And you obviously need to protect me more. That being said, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. 
I don't think the Seahawks want to part with Russell Wilson. I don't think Russell Wilson feels any immediate urgency to leave the Seahawks. So for now, trade rumors will pass. Maybe, hopefully, some changes for the Seahawks to help support Russell Wilson more. Always going to run with. All right, we're rooting for Russ. Hope he gets back to cooking, but we'll see. Hopefully he has some pressure on the front office and we get a resolution out of this problem this offseason. Welcome to the final segment of our show, the heart of our show, Ballers Bouquets. Too often in the media, people only want to focus on the negative and salacious things athletes do, and they never want to give them their credit where credit is due. Here, we like to make a change. So we're going to head up to the city of brotherly love, where typically brothers don't get any love. But Jalen Hurts has been putting it down in Philadelphia this past season. He took the starting quarterback job from Carson Wentz. And as a result of all his hard work, both on and off the field, Jalen Hurts is the recipient of this week's Ballers Bouquet. So it recently came out during Super Bowl media run up that Jalen Hurts had donated $30,000 to a child and a family. And this child name's Eric. Eric is a seven-year-old who's suffering from cancer right now. And he met Jalen Hurts through an organization called Alex's Lemonade Stand, which is a pediatric cancer organization that seeks to support families, fund research, and raise awareness about the issues related to child, uh, children with cancer. And Jalen Hurts was touched by the story when he met this young man, Eric, and particularly when he found out that Eric and his family of seven were living in a two-bedroom trailer in Nottingham, Pennsylvania. And so he showed up to their trailer and surprised them with a $30,000 check to put toward a new home. So congratulations. He literally pulled up with the check and backed up the Brinks truck and really, really helped this family out. It was totally a surprise to them. And so they're going to be able to put this toward a new house and, and have a better life, like straight up. And, you know, it's really hard being a family with a child with cancer. It costs a lot to put a child through treatment, even, you know, not medical bills. There's other things that food, diet, et cetera, the child needs during this process. And Jalen Hurts was really there to help support this family during this time. And, you know, when asked about this, he said, you know, quote, I know they've experienced a lot of adversity. They had to deal with a lot of different things, but uh, one thing I like to do is to be encouraging at all times to uplift those around me. And I just wanted to make an impact on the city of Philadelphia and those people in the area. And so after, you know, watch, watching the family get the check, Hertz met with also a different organization. He had a Zoom call with the Philadelphia Boys Latin Charter School from West Philadelphia, and he agreed to donate $10,000 for their football team. For new equipment. Um, and so despite him being a rookie player, despite him, you know, just getting to the league and we know that rookies don't make a lot of money, he is really putting his heart out there. He's putting, you know, himself out there. And I hope that he continues to do well in Philadelphia or wherever he ends up being, because he is a player who's helping those people in his community around him. You know, we talked about and I've talked about people doing the little things every day to help people to prevent crises from happening. And Jalen Hurts is doing that kind of work without anyone asking him to at a young age. And that's a really great sign for that young quarterback in Philadelphia. And so that's why he's this week recipient of our Ballers Bouquet. And for those who are listening, if you want to donate to Alex's Lemonade Stand, you can go to alexslemonade.org. And donate there and find out about what this organization does. I've actually worked with them before in the past and held a fundraiser for them when I was in high school. Uh, it's a really great organization. Um, I would totally donate to them again. And hearing stories like this makes me want to donate and be generous and kind and make the world a better place. It gives me some hope. Man, we talked about Philly a lot this episode. We did. Okay, speaking of Philly, right? You know Uzi put the like twenty four allegedly $24 million <laughs> diamond in his head, yes. like Vision. All right, so <laughs> like vision, but go ahead. Is it morally wrong to pluck that bitch out if we give some of the money from the diamond to cancer research? Yeah, I think that's okay. 
Okay, so so it's cool that Thanos, this nigga, as long as we donate something. We help the kids? Yeah, absolutely. Do it for the kids. <laughs> I think he would Do agree. The, I think he'd be okay with that. Do it for the kids in Philly. Let's not play, boy. All right, that is it for episode 22 of the Fly Route Podcast. As always, we want to thank each and every single one of you for taking the time out of your days to listen. We always want to know what you think. Is Carson Wentz worth even a first round pick? Let us know. We are now on video. We yeah. are. Oh. Follow us on YouTube at the Fly Route Podcast. Make sure that you subscribe and hit the notification bell. Otherwise, you will miss some of our videos. Exactly. We are on video now. We're giving you all extra content. Content. Stay on the lookout for it. Our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of it is buzzing. But we really need you all to subscribe to our YouTube so you do not miss any updates.